0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is Brian I'll be your host for the show if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high-quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at FoundBytesGRS at gmail.com, tweet at FoundBytesGRS, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Mm-hmm. The Pathless is the game for this week's episode. The Pathless is an action-adventure game. Some notable comparisons. I see a lot of similarities with The Shadow of the Colossus, and it certainly has some DNA from uh, Journey and a lot of your modern uh, Zelda games as well. It was released in November of 2020 on Apple Arcade, PC, PS4, and PS5. I'm pretty sure this was marketed as a PS5 launch title, and there are plans for it to be released uh, in Q4 of 2022, so soon after the publishing of this episode of the podcast, on Switch, Xbox One, and the series, the Xbox Series. I do not know anything about it going to Xbox Game Pass. The game also had a physical release, uh, but only on PS5, And that was done by I Am 8-Bit, which is a physical publisher of not just games, but also soundtracks and other uh, memorabilia. And so there is an exclusive edition on their website of the PS5 physical game. They also did a vinyl soundtrack, I Am 8-Bit. This game was developed by Giant Squid. They have one game before this. Uh, It's called Abzu. And it's a small studio, about 15 to 20 employees. But it was founded by uh, former employees of the studio That Game Company, which, if some of you know, developed the game Journey. And so a bunch of the people from that studio came over to start Giant Squid, uh, including Austin Wintory, who is the composer for the music. And so we'll definitely talk about him. The game was published by Annapurna Interactive. And Annapurna is a pretty big indie kind of double-A game publisher. They also published Journey uh, alongside other games like The Outer Wilds, uh, 12 Minutes, and Stray. MSRP of the game digitally, it was released at a price point of $39.99, which is something that we will certainly talk about. Uh, The physical edition through I Am 8-Bit was released at $52.99, but recently I have seen it on clearance for $23.99 consistently. So I think it's, it's being kept at that price point. So keep an eye on that, that physical I Am 8-Bit exclusive copy uh, that has like a poster and some art cards as well. Uh, runtime of the game, if you're just going right through for the main story, about six hours. And if you wanna do everything in the game, somewhere between 10 and 15 hours. For our PlayStation listeners, this does have a platinum trophy. It also has a free PS4 to PS5 upgrade, so if you happen to get this on PS4, uh, you can upgrade it for free. Me, I got this game shortly after launch, and it was on sale for $27.99. I put in 11 hours, and I did get the Platinum Trophy. I didn't think it was too tough, and it didn't really ruin the game for me at all. Uh, In fact, it got me to appreciate a lot of the smaller things and kind of find all the nooks and crannies. And no one really recommended this game specifically. I know a lot of the podcasts that I listened to were talking about this game because it was essentially part of the PS5 launch showcase, Um, and I definitely thought it looked cool and interesting and very simple, so I jumped on it. let's talk some gameplay so this is essentially an open world adventure game although you're not going to have fast travel which is interesting but this world is not huge it's not unmanageable but you will see it uh, from like higher up points and and look out on the landscape and It is a pretty epic kind of world that you're traveling in. In terms of your character and movement, essentially a third person camera and your character, when you're moving the joystick, they're going to be walking around. Uh, Her walk is kind of slow, but she can also jump fairly high. Most of what you're going to be doing while traveling is uh, you're going to hold down a button and your character is going to dash. Not like a, a dash roll, it's like a constant, you know, kind of run faster. And when you hold this button, you'll see a meter at the bottom of the screen, right in the middle. That is essentially her stamina meter. And when it runs out, you can't run fast anymore. So the goal while you're moving is to try and uh, replenish some of that stamina meter. And how you're going to do that is by shooting arrows at targets. As soon as you get in the game, you'll look around and in the world, in the landscape, Uh, immediately around you, you're going to see kind of these floating diamonds that have like an eye in the middle. And the goal is to hold down the shooting button and she's an archer, so she's gonna be shooting with a bow. Essentially, you're going to look at that diamond, whatever diamond you're closest to or whatever it kind of auto aims at. As you hold the shoot button, you will see from the top, the border of it is going to kind of get completed. So it's like a meter is going around the border of the diamond. If you complete that border and release the arrow, you'll hit the target and you'll get a replenish of your stamina meter. And you also get a little boost as you're dashing. Now you can do it fully. You can wait till the meter is fully complete or, and you'll see at the top and the bottom corner, there are like extra edges. If you can do, time it so that you hit it when it's halfway full, I think you actually get more of a boost. And it's a little more challenging to time it that way, and I like that. And so no matter what, if you hit it when it's half full or fully full, you're going to get that boost, you're going to replenish your stamina meter, and then you're going to continue on. And you're going to see that there are a lot of these diamonds in the air. And once you hit one of them and get that boost, uh, it'll kind of like knock out for like 5 or 10 seconds, and then it'll get uh, replenished in the area like that one particular diamond. So they're kind of floating around. And so it creates this gameplay loop where you're always trying to move quickly and you're always shooting at targets and you're going to hit them and then get a dash. They're placed very frequently. It's going to get you to be able to move constantly. And what's also good is, like I said, there's like an auto-aim And so you don't necessarily have to worry about, like, aiming the arrow or anything like that. It doesn't need to be, like, a straight shot. If you're moving quickly while you're dashing and the camera kind of locks to one of the targets and you're, like, going down a hill, she'll shoot the arrow in whatever trajectory she needs to in order to hit it. So you won't have to worry about, like, oh, that's really far away or it's about to be above me. Let me shoot it up in the air. She'll do that automatically. And so you see, like, the craziest trick shots. The only thing that you would have to worry about is like if you're dashing and you're trying to shoot a target, and right before you shoot it, like you dash in front of a tree like if something gets in the way it'll stop it but what this creates is like a constant momentum and this game is based on momentum and it feels good as you're moving essentially what it feels like and what it even looks like it's almost like she's skiing constantly and so you can move across the map very quickly and going back to the fact that there's no fast travel this is sort of the compromise and again it feels very good so i at any point during this game did not miss a fast travel function also like I said she does jump and so as you're dashing you can jump and hit a target and if you hit that target while she's in the air she'll actually like jump up again or do like a corkscrew to the point where you can actually stay in air and you will need to at a certain point to get to certain areas or uh, even to get to some extra things other than that some of the gameplay you're gonna be doing is gliding pretty early on Uh, You're going to get this mechanic and basically it's going to be because she'll have a companion that's a little eagle. This eagle will allow her to glide and anytime you're jumping in the air, you can press that jump button again and then the eagle will kind of catch you and you can glide. And you can toggle this on and off. That makes this very fluid in terms of the controls here. And it's very responsive. So you might like jump off of a ledge from a high building and then you might want to glide. And then I don't know, maybe like there's a building that has a window and like you can time it so that you'll like let go at the right time. But even if like you're somewhere up high and like you want to drop very quickly, like you can let go of the eagle and then like hit it back on like just before you hit the ground. And you will have instances where you'll be gliding and then you'll want to shoot. And whenever she shoots, she has to let go of the eagle. Uh, And there is kind of like a slow motion bullet time there, but it doesn't last forever. So you kind of have to like quickly make sure that you fill in the perimeter of the target and shoot it and then toggle the eagle back on. And it's a good kind of back and forth between the gliding and the arrows. There's also going to be updrafts. Like you'll see an updraft of wind and then you just go over with the eagle, jump, and then hit X and you'll kind of flap up into the air. This is a pretty common mechanic that you'll see. It's also how you progress through the game. And visually, I think it works out well because you're you're seeing more of the landscape. You'll also get a function where the eagle has flaps, which are basically, if you're gliding with the eagle, you can press X and the eagle will jump up higher and you'll get access to like more flaps. So like the bird in between being on the ground at one point or another, you'll be able to flap a certain amount of times if you need to get up to somewhere higher. And then once you hit down to the ground, the flaps will need like a few moments to kind of recover. In terms of locations, like I said, this is a vast environment, a landscape, But it also has a lot of verticality. In terms of like unlocking a number of flaps, you might need to in order to progress or get to a certain area, especially like I said, if there's no updraft. But that verticality is also how the game will progress. You're kind of going to be at a certain stage, and then to progress, like you have to beat something, and then you will actually fly upward. You'll also be in buildings sometimes in like ruins. Not quite dungeons, but just small kind of areas where you're inside. And that's where it can, the movement can get a little frustrating because she walks so slowly. But when you're inside, you're going to be looking at a lot of puzzles. And there's a good variety of puzzles. A lot of them are going to be based on, you know, shooting an eye. Some will be like lighting torches or moving them around to put them in front of a target so that, like, you shoot with the arrow and you hit the light and then the light hits the target. Sometimes you're gonna be like putting weights on buttons to open doors. And sometimes you'll also use the eagle because the eagle can actually carry things and you can, you'll hit a button whenever there's a prompt and it's like she whistles and then the eagle goes and picks something up and brings it to you. Um, So a lot of interesting puzzles, some that you've probably seen before in a lot of Zelda games, especially the modern ones like your Twilight Princess or your uh, Skyward Sword. And when you're doing a lot of these puzzles, uh, there's going to be sort of rewards behind them or you'll get upgrades. So I think XP is linked to like getting more flaps for the Eagle. You'll discover lore tablets that'll give you a little bit of the backstory. And you'll also get light stones. And these are really tied to how you progress through the game. Because in each area, you need to unlock a certain amount of light stones so that you can isolate the boss in that area. In terms of the map, very early on, you'll get the ability to use like eye vision, which is like you hit a button and then the screen goes like blue and then it sends out like these pulses uh, so you can get a sense of. Uh, what things are near to you and what things are far away from you. Uh, this is very similar to like the last of us, his like sonic sound uh, vision or whatever, but it just basically shows you how close things are to you and it'll pulse colors when it hits something like an area of interest, just like a faint sense of it. If something is red that typically in this game means it's like bad so it's something that you need to go address or like whether it's like a puzzle you solve or or whatnot. And then you'll also see things like, that are gold, um, and I think gold kind of is telling you which way to go. Also, when you have eye vision, it's gonna sometimes open up hidden walls. So you'll see a wall normally, and then you put on the eye vision, and it'll show like this transparent blue, meaning that you can walk through it. And the game does a good way of uh, sort of introducing this to you. When you get to certain areas, sometimes when you get to an area that is red in the pulse screen, it may actually be red there. Sometimes this is outdoors, sometimes this is indoors in a ruins. What that means is that your eagle like can't function there. That's really going to limit you, and it just presents a different challenge. Like You won't be able to glide or anything like that, and you're just going to be limited functionally. Also, as you progress through the game, you're going to start to see on the map, as you're standing there, maybe you're looking down or across the area, sort of this giant sphere of a red cloud, and it's gonna be roaming. It will be moving constantly, and then after a while it might dissipate and reappear somewhere else, and this sphere is huge. This is essentially where the area boss is. It's like a sphere of evil. Early on, you probably wanna stay away from these areas until you unlock that boss or isolate that boss, but if you happen to get caught up in the sphere, and whenever you get near it, it like senses that you're there and then it starts to like charge at you and engulf you. You're essentially gonna be introduced to this different type of gameplay where you lose the eagle. Like the eagle gets doused in this red negative energy and it's like kind of laying down on the ground and you're gonna be introduced to this stealth gameplay and so you'll see like the area boss, and it's like looking with spotlights, and you're hiding behind rocks or something like that. And you have to try and get to where the eagle is without the boss seeing you and killing you. And if you do that, uh, it'll dissipate the sphere, and you'll be fine. You'll you'll go back. But what's interesting is when you come out of that, and this is going to be a common gameplay element that you see, um, you'll have this kind of not quite cutscene, but. You know, the eagle will come back, it'll land on your arm, and it'll be covered in, like, this red evilness. And you'll have to brush it off. Like, you'll have to move the joystick or whatever. It's kind of interesting. Uh, There's not really much to it. Um, And sometimes if you have a little piece, like, in the corner and you can't see it, like, you have to get it all before you can uh, go back to the game. When you do get all the light stones in an area, it'll isolate that boss... And keep that sphere standing still, and you'll have to go there and fight that boss. And these bosses are essentially giant animals. And so you go into the sphere. Essentially, it's gonna start with like a chase scene, like you have to chase down the boss. So again, you're moving fast, you're gonna be shooting targets and trying to get your momentum to get close enough. And then on the body of the boss, you'll see like eye targets. Okay, and again, this is very similar to Zelda. I think even Breath of the Wild, like you have the four different quote-unquote dungeons or you know, mechanical animals that are walking around like kind of going rogue and you have to chase them down. First, you have to start by like slowing them down or getting on them. So that's the same thing here. You have to essentially stop them from running from you. You have to get them down. And then once you do, you'll go to like a second phase where like, okay, now the boss is standing still and it'll introduce some new gameplay element I found these boss fights to be a nice challenge. I enjoy the chase, tracking them down and kind of slowing them down and shooting their targets on their limbs. Um, And I found that once you do that for all the bosses, like it does vary the gameplay of like actually fighting the boss. And so I had enjoyed it Uh, again, a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I didn't die too much to this in general, in terms of accessibility, I don't think I died that often. I think sometimes with you know the stealth sections where you're in that sphere, I may have died a couple times, but I don't think the game is too challenging. As well as with the puzzles, I think the puzzles are very doable. Some of them it took me maybe a little longer, but nothing that you know made me uh, super frustrated. So, the vibe of the Pathless. Let's talk about some visuals. So, in terms of graphics, this is essentially like a modern Zelda, like I've drawn that comparison. It kind of has this cell shadedness. Um, Reminds me, again, a lot of Twilight Princess, sort of these rounded features like in the facial area. Uh, Landscapes are beautiful. A lot of greenery, you know, and there's a lot of blue uh, in the water and stuff like that. And then you will see snow up at higher elevations because, again, you are kind of progressing upwards. In terms of colors, uh, the major indicators here, red is bad, blue is good, gold is also good. Okay, so you'll see that a lot, especially with the bosses when you're fighting them and everything's red. Their bodies are red and whatnot. And then when you kind of release the demons or whatever, everything turns blue again and everything is nice and good. Visually, like I said, there's a lot of verticality. There's elevation. You're going to be constantly going up and you can always look backwards or look down and really see sort of this extensive land in terms of audio. Beautiful soundtrack, and this is Austin Wintory who composed this, and this is fully composed. Beautiful music, similar feeling to Journey, uh, where like at certain points when you're progressing, like you'll feel this crescendo from the music, like oh my gosh, something is happening, like I'm I'm moving. This is what I was meant to do, or or whatnot. Uh, and Austin Wintory did compose the music for Journey, and we've also talked about him before because he composed the music for uh, the Banner Saga, which we. Uh, reviewed a while back and in terms of just sound effects you know a lot of nature a lot of natural background sounds that come through there is voice acting in this game. There really are only two characters you and the bad guy. These are voiced by Troy Baker and Laura Bailey, who are longtime veteran voice actors. Troy Baker played Joel, most notably, along with like hundreds of other characters that you probably heard of before. And Laura Bailey, she has definitely been around a while. She's done a lot of cartoon voice acting, Naruto stuff, but also a long time in the video game industry, I think she was in Persona 4, but more recently she was Mary Jane in Spider-Man, she was Nadine in Uncharted 4, and uh, she was Abby in Last of Us Part Two. so both of them uh, certainly loved by Naughty Dog. What's interesting about the voice acting is that it is subtitled, and they are speaking in a different language. However, this is an invented language, apparently. I thought this was some kind of uh, foreign language, but uh, it's a language that they invented for the game, it's very similar to like a David Lynchism. I don't think that they do a thing where like they say the words backwards and then like play it the right way and but th- there is some kind of distortion here. Especially audibly, there's a little distortion. It uh, reminds me a little bit of Otogami and the way they they did the voice kind of distortion there. Thematically, a lot of nature here uh, and animals. Uh, these bosses are also major figures in this world. They call them the tall ones. They're like these giant animals. Um, and essentially, they're corrupted. So, there's a lot of like nature and indigenous species or people kind of taking care of nature and the relationship there, sort of the reverence, the respect, and again, that clearing corruption your main character this hunter and this small eagle they have such a a visual relationship that you see constantly Because anytime you like save the eagle and brush it off, they'll like nuzzle up against each other. It's like so wholesome. You'll really get the feel goods when that happens. And essentially just a lot of good versus evil. I keep bringing up this comparison with like modern Zeldas. There is like a a good versus evil kind of nature and wanting to go its course as opposed to being corrupted by some person or some unnatural entity. In terms of lore and the story, uh, like I said, you will find these tablets as you go through. But you also find notes that are from lying next to dead bodies, like people's like last testimony or something like that. So there's a lot of instances to get context to the story. And I find this really worth learning about. I really like this story sort of painting the picture about what happened here. But overall, just the whole thing is it's very wholesome, simple, pure. And there's sort of a lot of reference to like human nature, I guess, and and sort of what what happens and what can go wrong. let's wrap up the conversation about the pathless this was a great experience for me very similar to journey just experienced the whole thing and i loved it from start to finish Uh, but i found it to be less ambiguous than journey i don't know if you've ever played journey but here, it seems like the main players and, and there are main characters, uh, they're sort of more explicit. All feels here. This game is all feels. I don't feel like you need to think a lot, maybe with some of the puzzles, but not in terms of like what's going on or what you need to do. It's pretty obvious what you need to do, and I think your heart kind of pushes you. This is a nice platinum, I found. Like I said, I did it in about 11 hours. I really found it to be worthwhile, especially because I feel like finding all the things in this game from a lore and story standpoint is definitely worth it. I think the gameplay is very kinetic, very fluid. It feels good to move through this game and traversing that vast environment, you know, seeing this vast landscape and saying like, I want to go there. And then you're going there. It feels too good in terms of difficulty. I don't feel like this game is too challenging. Uh, but again I did die a couple times but I think it's certainly manageable and it's pretty simple. The controls are pretty simple. You're essentially dashing and shooting arrows and solving puzzles and that's basically it. There's not that much more to it and I like that. In terms of value, again, this released at 39.99. We know that value is a subjective thing. I think that 20-25 bucks for this game, it's a great experience. I know that for some people Equating value and length is the thing and some people I don't think will spend more than $20 for an indie game It's really up to you. I really enjoyed my experience with this game Although I would suggest if you're thinking about buying it Don't buy it and then like play it later Only go to buy it if you're gonna play it because this is a game you can bang out in a weekend You can have a great experience uh, maybe even come out of it in a different mood or, or looking at things differently because there's a lot of positivity in here. I do suggest playing this game, and if you have a PS5, I would even suggest going and getting that Am 8 bit physical edition, especially the exclusive one that has like art cards and a poster. $23.99 right now. I don't know how long they're going to have it. I don't know if it's going to sell out, but if the game's not on sale digitally, absolutely buy the physical PS5 for $23.99. I think that's a great value, especially if you're a physical collector. Overall, Great experience. I really think you should play this game no matter what you think the price point is for you. um, I think it's a worthwhile experience. Alright, that's going to wrap up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.